0: Welcome to another edition of the Columbia University Sports Podcast, The Cusp Show. Once again, wrapping up Hashtag Sports, which is where we are today on a Wednesday. I'm Joe Favorito, along with my co-host, Tom Richardson.
1: Hi, Joe. What's happening?
0: It's been an interesting three days of learning. Uh, Anthony Cappaniti has put together a, a great conference. And Steve Cobb. And Steve Cobb, give him the excuse shout me. me. Yep. Yeah, no, sure. it's been
1: really fascinating. I think one takeaway, although we're not done yet, we're almost done, is um, the emphasis on esports, Uh, where I think there's been at least four, maybe five panels. And
0: everyone gets better than the next. And everyone gets better. And
1: and I'd say it's taken way more seriously, and there's just kind of this buzz about it that is way stronger than I think any other topic that has come up here. For sure. Anyway.
0: Um, One of the things also that I've noticed and wasn't really expecting are the amount of Current students, former students, and colleagues that we have around the Columbia it's been program. been great to
1: see. Yeah, really nice. Uh,
0: we just passed, uh, and this is a Wednesday. His panel is later. Andrew Hawkins in the hall, recently of the New England Patriots, so that was a pleasant surprise.
1: Um, I got to ask him uh, quickly what it was like meeting Bill Belichick. I said, is, is, is it as difficult to, you know, talking to him as it, it seems to be in press conferences? And he said, not as bad, but not easy. Well, he needs to, too, yeah. so, so that helps. Yeah.
0: But um, one of the people we've, we've talked about having on or I've talked about having on for a while is Jesse Lichtenberg. Hi. Um, Jesse is one of probably the few original graduates of the program from the first couple of years from when it was part-time. She's had an amazing career managing and being around Olympic athletes and now working with not just Olympic athletes but lots of athletes as the manager, um, a manager of marketing and an agent for BDA Sports. So, Jesse, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you. Hey, Jessie. Hi. Hi. Good to have you. Thank you very much.
0: So um, I guess we can harken back to the days when you were first in the program. Um, How did you get to the Columbia program? And now looking back, do you feel like you got out of it? Did it help you get to where you are now, which first was at Shade Global and now is at BDA Sports?
2: So how did I start there? Um, When I first heard of the program, it was actually my ex-boyfriend who found it online uh, one day and said, Jesse, you should apply for this. And I was like, yeah, that looks really cool, but... I worked 24-7, I just couldn't possibly make the commitment. And he basically said, look, just call them, just, you know, spend five minutes on the phone with somebody, speak to a secretary, just get some info, maybe you'll do it in a couple of years. I said, okay. So I called up and I ended up speaking to Lucas, um, who was the director of the program at the time. Lucas Rubin. Lucas Rubin, director of the program at the time, and we ended up speaking for about 45 minutes and he said, I'd really love you to apply, the deadline's next week, but I think you'd be a perfect fit. So I did the application, I got my transcripts, I got everything all ready, and I basically had in the back of my mind, this is Columbia, I just, I love what I do, I'm so incredibly busy, I don't know how I could possibly, possibly do that, um... And I applied, and two days later, I was in, and wow. that was it. Okay. that was So much for sure, a rigorous
1: application process.
2: No, it, it was, but you know what? what I, one of the things. But I, you,
1: I, had, you had credentials coming into that, so why don't you yes. just describe what that uh, was? My, and where you went to school. Yeah, sorry, I, I did right. go to undergrad. Right. Um,
2: I went to Syracuse University. I have a bachelor's in kinesiology and applied physiology.
1: Which
0: is what Tom and I have as well, too, <laughs> so that works out.
2: Yes, right. um, and I had already been working in the industry as an agent um, for Olympic athletes, uh, for about okay. three years so by that point. So you fit a really
1: good pro- the, right. the profile for a really good, as a really good candidate. Well, thank yeah. you.
2: Right. Uh, Lucas Lotso, at least. Right. Um, so that went hmm. really quickly, and I basically kind of said, you know what, if you have the opportunity to get an Ivy League degree, um, especially a graduate degree, you're an idiot to pass it up. So I took it and worked my tush off, and it was not easy because I was still working full-time, and my job truly requires me to be on call, really 24-7. Um, so there were definitely days where I would be – running up to class, flying in there late, blackberry in my hand. Yes, we still have blackberries. Um, hair <laughs> on top of my head. Yourself, yeah. you know, tying my sneakers, stumbling in out of breath, and probably had eaten cookie dough that day for a breakfast. But that was, that's how I did it. But I think in the end, I know in the end it was an incredible experience. Um, being able to say that you have a degree from Columbia University certainly holds a lot of weight. The program is very, very strong, and it continues to grow. Um, and expand the networking. I met a lot of good um, connections, for sure, which in the business world, particularly the sports business world, is absolutely key to growth and success. Um, great professors, Joe Favorito. In all honesty, his class was the most helpful and the most wow. intriguing, that's um, scary, and beneficial class <laughs> that I had taken there. And now I um, teach a couple of classes with Joe in the summer, which I absolutely love doing. Our high school
0: program, Our high possible. school program, yeah. and
2: passing that on.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's talk about um, your work as an agent, Shade Global especially. You dealt with some pretty interesting athletes, especially in the Olympic space. I did. At some really interesting times, and then how it's kind of progressed on now to BDA sports. So, so what was it like then, and kind of what is the day-to-day craziness of, of what it is that you, you've done in the past?
2: Um, for about seven and a half years, I was at Shade Global representing a lot of Olympic athletes, and my the CEO of that company, Cheryl Shade, um, with whom I still have a very good relationship, um, we went on a whirlwind together, and we had a lot of clients in the gymnastics world: um, Sean Johnson, Shannon Miller, Paul and Morgan uh, Chelsea Memel, Blaine Wilson. Just eventually, we worked with Gabby Douglas for a little while, um, Nastia Lukin. Just a whole gymnastics was definitely a core, um, and it was so much fun. And we certainly had hockey players: Angela Ruggiero. Um, we had skiers in the mix and luge, Aaron Hamlin, bobsled, Jamie Grubel-Poser, wow. and Steve Langton. Um, we had skeleton John Daly and just a whole a whole mix of different kinds of athletes. And it was a whirlwind and a half. And I think that starting, I know that starting at a very small company, um, there were only two of us. Coming there right out of college, it enabled me to just do everything the first day. My old boss was really never around um, just by virtue of kind of the structure and the position and how we needed to work. And I really, it was a total sink or swim. She basically said, here, go. And I, I truly, I just had to to figure it out for myself. And I did, and I was able to build my own name because that was always going to be key without being under somebody else's shadow um, to build my own career. And I've been very successful with those athletes. And I, they are truly, they're truly some of the best athletes in the world and some of the best human beings I know the Olympic world is just, it's a different, it's a different animal. There's such incredible passion there. And nobody, nobody goes into bobsled. Nobody decides to become a bobsledder or a loser for the money. They do it because they have so much pride and passion and integrity and just hard work, just incredible ethic um, that they can take anywhere and that they can teach others. Just following your dreams and just incessant perseverance. And that to me is you know, as much as they inspire everyone else, they inspire me every day, even though so Jessie, they make me nuts a little bit sometimes. Right.
1: That's amazing. Um, but define repping.
2: I did for, for all of their... For people who
1: may not know exactly what that means.
2: So on the Olympic side, I did all of their... Still do. Their um, endorsements, the sponsorships, the marketing, um, PR, the day-to-day management, the, oh my God, my flight is delayed or... From one of them specifically, Jesse. I just ripped a pair of pants. Nothing fits me. What do I do? Um, just everything, all the stuff, top to bottom, to appearances and engagements. Helping with um, build out their charity, their profile, social media. Just everything you can think of. Um, and obviously, things are different with the younger athletes, particularly the gymnasts, where it's a lot more handholding, mm-hmm. literally and figuratively.
1: Right. Um, Absolutely young.
2: They are. Yeah. They're they're sixteen year old little yeah. girls, and they are 15, 16. Um, and, and you had to deal yeah. with their
1: families, I assume, too. That's probably a big part of it. She just whistled, by the way. So. <laughs> yes,
2: yeah, so we certainly deal with, with wow. uh, their families. Um, and it's all different.
0: Feel free to share any, any of those stories. You but, have, actually, you have some good stories to I share, do. Um, especially, Tom, about some of the social things that some of her kind of unique athletes have done. So. Yeah,
2: um, I'd say my best family stories are with luge and bobsled, with Aaron Hamlin. If I t- Aaron Hamlin is from a town in upstate New York called Remsen a little bit north of Utica, that has a population smaller than my high school. They are the most wonderful, warmest, most outgoing, warm and fuzzy people you could possibly imagine. And it's her gigantic family and her cousins and everybody they've ever known the entire town. You meet them for five seconds, you are a family. I, her parents would take me in as their fourth, as their fourth kid. Um, but just what goes on there is the entire community is so incredibly supportive and it's 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 one giant family and that's kind of how the sliding sports world works it's a big family but with team hamlin they come up to world cups by the busload i mean erin could Aaron could do a cartwheel down main street and the entire town would celebrate like she just won another gold um at a world championships or at the olympics or something but they are just their family and for world cups they tailgate like, truly tailgate like a Michigan-Ohio State football game. I, am not, I mean, hundreds of people, they take over the entire Connell Lodge in Lake Placid, and they are, I, I love them, and I feel like I'm lucky to be a part of that. Um, Steve Langton, bobsled, he's 6'3", 240 pounds of solid muscle, um, looks like Superman, and he is, he's also kind of taken on that role of a little bit like a, a protector to me. I always joke that, you know, having bobsledders, I come with my own bodyguards. It's wonderful. Uh-huh. Um, recently we were in new york and we were walking around doing stuff and steve kept saying why are you walking so slowly and i said my legs are half the size as yours he goes i just i want to put you in a baby bjorn and carry you around (laughs) so for somebody who who literally squats over five times my weight i mean he can squat over 550 he's a big boy um stuff like that he comes from a big italian family and they're just so warm and loving and um jamie grubel's family um I know her dad pretty well, and when I go up to Lake Placid with them, they rent a big house, and I'll go over there for dinner, and her aunts and uncles and cousins, they sit me down, like, Jesse, did you eat today? No, come here, come here. So last year, actually, they were playing a big game, like charades, you know, everyone's you know, celebrating, because Jamie just won a big gold medal, um, it was an incredible weekend, big gold medal, and I was just exhausted, and I somehow, in the middle of a loud family celebrating with a couple of cocktails and playing a Shereed-like game, yelling, music going. Somehow I fell asleep in the middle of a living room for two hours. I'm lucky they didn't start drawing on my face. Um, <laughs> but just that kind of end. I said, why would you let me sleep? They said, because you were really tired. And that's. It's kind of just like that. You you become one family, and that's, I, I adore them. I really, I am so lucky to have these kinds of athletes as clients and people in my life.
0: And you talk, um, I mentioned it before, but you've really helped them kind of, trailblaze through the social space as well. So you've got some clients who've done some pretty unique things, both with video, mm-hmm. and I'll lead you to some of the videos that have been done, with some brands, uh, and in the, 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 uh, the Twitter space and some of the other places in social. Why don't you talk about some of those pioneering efforts that you've had, Jess?
2: Pioneering efforts. Um, social media, when I first started, didn't exist. so that's wasn't
1: I, I was going to make that yeah. point. So based yeah. on the, your, your, the way you characterize yeah. the, the chronology... These people didn't or these these athletes did not have like a direct to no. consumer platform Correct. when Nothing. you got into this.
2: Not it not. Which made at all. your job
1: probably a little bit easier than it is today.
2: Yeah, exactly. And um I mean easier and harder, easy in that. Easier in that it was, you know, easier to control what was put out there. But, you know, these guys I really I'm lucky I don't have to worry about that so much with them. Um, but harder in that it you know, obviously social media gave everyone. Gives everyone a peek into their lives and who they are, and being Mm -hmm. able to show and share all the excitement and the sparkle that is the Olympics. Um, So, boost you know, getting them to, and especially since they're not, they weren't really young at the time; they were all you know in their Mm twenties. Then, um, getting them to kind of jump on board and understand, right? Like that kind of that kind of aspect of it. Um, Getting them to engage and start to understand the value in sharing that, um, in opening their world to obviously an appropriate degree with the rest of the world and being able to share that and give everyone insight and a lot of like what we're talking about today at the sports conference, being able to give insight and bring everyone else um, into their world and be a part of that world to kind of see what goes on and see that truly people will ask me, you know, the Olympics are every four years, what do they do? I said, It's not every four years, it's every single day. They train and compete Every single day, all year long, every single year, getting up to those Olympic moments. And it's it's everything in between. So, most people, you know, unfortunately, most people don't know the effort that goes into it 365 days a year, that um, they can be a part of it. Come, you know, watch these races. Once people don't necessarily know sliding sports, um, once they get to meet these athletes, once they get to see what it's about, once they get to watch it on TV, they see the excitement, they see the passion, they see how much fun. I mean, you think about what you love doing as a kid. You think of sledding. Who didn't love doing that? And these guys, this crew, get, they get to do it, mm-hmm. you know, for a living. And they happen to be the best in the world. Um, but they're phenomenal athletes, and they, they're just... They're just the
1: best. So do you give them any guidelines for best practices in social sure. media? Because it's it's not always easy for everybody. And you've had no, some people kind of toe the line a little bit. Yeah. Oh, like, definitely.
2: You know. So with social media, um, getting them to engage has certainly been a little bit of an effort. But honestly, they've been great about it. And they understand the value. They're very, very bright. And they they get it. Um, Steve Langton and his best friend, John Daly, both of whom were my clients um, for a long time, they did a series called Your Daily Nitro and it originally started with was, Steve Langton was my client and I kept trying to get him to engage and do social media and do videos because he has a very specific and unique training regimen. He's, he's a big boy. Mm-hmm. He's pretty much solid muscle and people kind of go to him, teammates, other athletes, whomever, go to him to you know, get advice and see how he trains and does this and that and how does he get to be Steve Langton. But his nickname is Nitro because he's very fast and explosive and that's what makes him you know the best push athlete in the world. Um, in the sport and he's like all right i'm not doing this by myself so he pulled in his roommate who eventually became my client john daly who does skeleton and they are totally opposite they steve langton looks like superman and john daly is five nine um solid muscle but about 170 pounds so they really steve is neat as a pin boston bred, all boston sports um collared shirt khaki shorts Packs in plastic bags, which when we go to something makes my life easier because I don't have to iron. Um, just neat as a pin, his side of the room just looks like you would think a 33-year-old's room should look. John Daly looks like a frat house exploded his half of the room. <laughs> I mean, you could have drawn a line down the middle. Um, John Daly was my wild child. Um, love him to death, but he was just, just the exact opposite. He, he never knew it was going to come out of his mouth, and he was fun. So they started doing these videos called Your Daily Nitro. Um, and they were just so
1: funny. And where were they put them?
2: Online, on yeah. YouTube. And they okay. they so started YouTube, to get yeah. a big
1: following. There are characters that were brought into this there characters. Time, so. There was oh, that's funny. There
2: was a doll named Judy. A blow-up doll. But, but so. it was just like a pool wrap. Right. There was nothing right. creepy right. about right. it. So Judy, um, much to my... I don't even have a word for that. I was mortified and dying a little bit every single time Judy made an appearance. And... I, you know, you, ha- you really you have to pick your battles. And it was just a prop, and it was just something funny because they're goofy, and it is what it is, and they kind of just integrated it into the storyline a little bit. Um, but I said, guys, if you're going to have that in there, you must have her wearing clothing. So they trying to, you know, dig back at me. The next episode, they put a hat on her. I was like, guys, that is not clothing. That does not count. I will have to get her a snowsuit, but... Just funny stuff like that. And they had us, they have everyone just giggling up a storm. And it makes...
1: And then did it work? Did they get traction with that on YouTube? They okay. did.
2: Um, because it sounds
1: like some of that might work on YouTube. It, yeah. it
2: really is. No. NBC loved it, NBC right? loved it. They picked up a couple of them, and they wow. were using those as features. They're just so funny. But it showed that other side of them, which is what's really, really important. It made them human beings. And that's that's what was fun about it. But yeah, they they cracked me
1: up all day long. Do, did any of them do... You guys remember the, the panel from NBC yesterday, and one of the... Points they made was about doing the uh, I don't know if it's a hundred days in advance event in Hollywood. Uh, they bring the athletes yeah. in to showcase them and give them some publicity and things like that. The media summit. Yeah, yeah. You, I assume you participated in that. Yes, I Can did. Can you talk about that for a minute? Because I thought someone in the crowd. I I was aware that NBC did that for the Olympics uh, with Team USA, mm-hmm. uh, but someone asked me and didn't have any clue about that. So I'm, no, no, oh, they, really? they need to they need to establish. A platform to get these names who are going to be in primetime television six months away and they do this thing in LA so can you talk about that?
2: Sure. The media summit is always a lot of fun it is long and exhausting and you go from interview to interview So they bring in how many
1: just to set the scene? Athletes? Yeah.
2: Honestly I can... Hundreds?
1: Dozens? No it's probably
0: 50 or 60. Yeah. And they do it both for the summer and the winter games. Exactly. And, and and, And what's
1: the invitation based on?
2: Um name what they're looking for and who they think are going to be the top contenders okay
1: so sure. so competitive is probably number one yes personality factor in or I couldn't marketability tell
2: i don't want to speak on their behalf but no. you know it's important they they recognize the value they know this is this is their this is what they do they want to share all of the it's 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 awesomeness in the literal sense of the word that it inspires awe mm-hmm. um and bringing these athletes, whether they're the big name athletes, whether they're the skiers, snowboarders, figure skaters, and whatnot, or they're the smaller athletes that nobody really knew before, like luge and bobsled, mm-hmm. um, and bringing those to light and sharing their stories. And, you know, they have the most incredible passion and dedication and perseverance and getting that out there. And they have the most wonderful personality. So we go from interview to interview to interview to interview, back to back to back. And they're all different kinds of outlets, um, photo shoots for different different media outlets and pieces and stuff like that. And they have some really funny ones where you really get to show your personality. Um, where different outlets and share funny stories, and other ones are more serious news pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, they are all different, but I've kind of learned over the years, I always joke around, you know, you have to, part of being a good agent is knowing what each client, each athlete needs to be their best, and whether that's a kick in the butt or a pat on the back or anything in between, you just have to know what each client needs. And all of my clients have always known that I can pull something out of, out of thin air. I think one of, my, one of my favorite moments with Steve Langton was we were at a BMW shoot ahead of the Sochi games, and it was just going, it was going a little too long. And I could see that look on his face, and I pulled a GIF to go peanut butter packet out of my back pocket, and I think I became his hero on the spot. Hmm. Um, And then I've almost always, I'd say 99.9% of the time I'm with these athletes, I always have peanut butter M&M's. It's just, it's agent tools of the trade, peanut butter M&M's, trust me, it's the way to go. Um, But yeah, so they're... And they're not
1: even an official sponsor, I don't think, so that's good. No, not at all, but... Good plug for... But it's it's
2: true, peanut M&M's... BMW still has pictures of me. I just saw his face, and I could tell. You need that genuine smile. Yeah. Um, and I just started tossing peanut M&Ms at him in the middle of the shoot, so they have pictures of him catching. The producer looks at me like, what, Jesse, what are you doing? Just let me yeah. handle I, I know how to do this. But, yeah, at the media summit, I mean, Jamie loves Welsh's fruit snacks, so I pulled those out of my pocket. I was like, okay, do you want the tropical or the regular? And it's just you have to know what they need to be their best and smile, and Erin's you know, definitely a chocoholic. I always bring her. Or M;ms m um, We were at a long city shoot a couple of years ago, Citibank with Erin. And on her gloves, she has very, very sharp spikes. So they were doing this shoot and she couldn't touch anything. And I would, must have been eating a cookie. I was definitely eating a cookie and I was talking to someone and I must have been a typical New Yorker, kind of moving my hands. And I didn't realize Aaron <laughs> came up behind me and she took a bite of the cookie and I turned around just giggling and she goes, you snooze, you lose. So mm-hmm. that's just, you have to kind of know what makes each of them smile and what they need to be their best, even if it's even if it's just a piece of you know, a cookie or M&M's or fruit snacks or something like that or jiff peanut butter I'm coming out of your like pocket. I'm picturing like this
1: role being a combination of Alice from the Brady Bunch and Jerry Maguire. And Mary Poppins. And Mary and Poppins. Mary Poppins is it's a definitely... Pretty. Keep bringing stuff yeah. out of your pocket. It, 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 it
2: <laughs> truly is. You know, do, you have a ba- Hall. do you have a Band-Aid? So, yes. Right. Do you have anything to eat? Yes. But you've yes. referenced
1: food. You've referenced clothes. You've referenced... Uh, uh, order in a hotel room and things like that and
2: oh absolutely i mean i could so there's
1: the sublime and the ridiculous
2: yeah there's the sublime there's the ridiculous but there's also the amazing yeah. and all of it put together it's hard it's especially in the sliding world where most of their races are in europe because that's where most right. of the tracks are not all of them um they're actually now all aired on nbc because right. the teams have been doing so incredibly well they've been so successful awesome. which cool. is just wonderful um but yeah i've one of the several people that gets up, I mean, worldwide, there are hundreds of people, of course, that are watching it, but middle of the night, 4 a.m. every weekend, I'm up. I'm up watching these races and sharing them on as if I'm watching, you know, a Yankees-Red Sox game in the middle of the day. That's that's how it works.
0: I love it. Jesse, uh, you've actually moved on now, and you're also working with mainstream athletes as well so yes and without I know you don't want to get into all the details coming off the NBA draft especially but is there a big difference or is it still kind of balancing the personalities
2: no pun intended it is a totally different ball game. to on one side on the other side it's still the same it's you have you have athletes you have talent you have different personalities that you have to deal with um, And what I do, so I'm still the agent for all the Olympic athletes, but at BDA Sports, where I've been for about two and a half years, I oversee marketing and branding partnerships for our players. So they still have their own, I mean, BDA, but they have their NBA agent. So I'm definitely not an NBA agent, nor do I ever want to be. Um, But I love doing the marketing. It's taking all of the creativity and saying, okay, there are, I don't know, 300 guys in the NBA. Um, Saying, okay, there's only a handful of... LeBron James, you know, those kinds of guys. So unless you're, you know, one of those, you know, select three to five who can basically sneeze and somebody will want to buy it, you know, you have to think differently. You, say, you, t- you take all of these different names and these people and you say, OK, they're not just an NBA player. Who are they as a person? What makes them unique mm-hmm. on and off the court? And say, OK, you build a brand around that. The same way I did with the Olympic athletes. And, you know, are they dads? Where did they grow up? What kinds of things are they into? Not just It's not just about putting a sticker on a forehead. I think when people, you know, when athletes or celebrities just tweet or post and they have a product in their hand, sometimes it looks a little bit cheesy. Um, now, of course, it has to be disclosed legally. But it's about, you know, share, who are they and what connects them to the real world and how do fans engage with them and say, okay, these are real people. What makes them share what makes them special and different and real.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I think that's really exciting. So when I moved over to BDA, BDA inherited luge, bobsled, and skeleton. So they're this big, successful, prominent NBA agency. Um, and they inherited my crew, which they were they were happy to do. But I BDA is truly some of the, they are the best group of people that I could have asked to work with. Just one, one of the really unique things about BDA is the culture from top down. So the CEO is Bill Duffy and you know, it runs downhill. Top down, everybody there is a great partner, a great teammate, um, great coworker and colleague. And we all just always have each other's backs, no question, that's what makes it unique. And it's it's about doing the right thing, not cutting corners, integrity. Integrity. And that's just it's something that everybody has without question. That's just how we operate. And I love that. And we've been very successful and i you know i i have the best of both worlds and i'm able to bring you know the olympic side and experience and contacts and connections and mindset to our nba side and the nba side contacts connections mentality to the other side and i have one foot in each world and i am pretty lucky i love that's it
1: that's cool one last question on the on the role so in the, in the world of the olympics mm-hmm. obviously it's a pretty sm- very small percentage of the athletes that actually achieve commercial success mm-hmm fair to say absolutely but you are for the your clients you're looking for deals Always. you're looking for commercial opportunities absolutely at what point does the shelf life expire like if they were in Beijing and eight mm-hmm. and they're not getting a deal by nine or ten do they just kind of move on in their lives and you move on in their lives they don't. They don't need the, all that service and support that they had when they were active.
2: You know, it, it completely depends. You know, I've you know I've been pretty successful again. I they truly are. I'm not just I'm not just selling athletes. I'm selling people mm-hmm. and human beings. And they have just the most incredible stories and backgrounds. Um, I talked a little bit about Aaron, but Jamie Grubel, for example, um, she's just she's one of the sweetest, smartest Cornell grad, but she's one tough cookie in that she is so. She has such fierce focus and dedication. Um, once her suit is zipped up, she... What sport? pop said. I'm sorry. Oh, she won okay. the bronze medal oh, okay. um, in Sochi. And once her suit is zipped up, she is... I mean, it doesn't make a difference what's going on around her. That is what she's focused on. She's just laser-focused, and I have so much respect and admiration for her um, for that. But she, one of the really, really cool stories about Jamie um, heading into this games is, A, well... Um, her husband is actually a German bobsledder, so it's kind of fraternizing with the enemy a little bit, but Christian is a very, very nice um, gentleman. But Jamie's little sister, Elizabeth, was adopted from South Korea. So several years ago, when Jamie heard that um, Pyeongchang had won the Olympic bid, she said to herself, oh my God, this was meant to be. How cool is that? Um, so going through it, and of course winning a bronze medal at the Olympics in Sochi, and really progressing. Once... After Sochi, Jamie Jamie's just been on fire, and we're mm-hmm. so excited about it. She won two gold medals this past season, the World Cup, and she won the gold medal on the Pyeongchang track in the final World Cup. So that's a really good indicator, and you can't ask for more wow. than that. And she won the overall World Cup title. Right. So thrilled with that. But she said that when she was in Pyeongchang um, towards the end of the season, she she just felt it. She felt it like in her body. She felt it in the air. All of a sudden, she realized she was around – so much of something that was a piece of heart, a part of her family that she never really knew existed before. Being there. So, mm-hmm. nobody in her family has been back to Korea since they adopted her little sister, and her dream is to, and they haven't all seen her compete. And Jamie's dream is really to bring her entire family over to South Korea, to Pyeongchang, to watch her compete right. at the next Olympics in February.
0: I'm I'm sure it's, that's going to be one on NBC's list for yeah, sure. Exactly. I would
2: yeah. But it's it's so genuine and so. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's, there's nothing, yeah. it's really authentic and it's really um, a, a warm story. Yeah. Nice.
2: So, going back to the commercial side of the Olympic athletes and being an agent and you know working that end of it um, Olympic athletes don't have salaries they don't have team Mm -hmm. contracts they don't have league contracts and my job is you know helping them to build their brand and get their name and face out there and develop financial opportunities for them they need those they need the financial backing to train and compete Mm -hmm. and travel and have the access to the best care and facilities that, you know, in the equipment is so expensive that they need. Without that, I mean, they're they're doing this for pride and because they love representing the United States of America and representing their country on the world's biggest stage. So I will fight for them and I will protect them and I will work 24-7 for them to make sure that they have the financial resources they need. Um, to be able to do that, to be able to represent you and I in our entire country and be the best in the world at what they've dedicated their lives to and, you know, certainly helping to set them up for afterwards because they're, they're all in their 30s now and you can't be an athlete forever, right. as much as I'd you know, love for them to be. You can't be an athlete forever and they need to be prepared and have a base for what's after because for the most part, they give up they give up everything. They give up jobs. They give up normal lives. They give up birthdays, celebrations, holidays. And that's that. Steve Langton you know, kept his, is still at Kohler because he took a little break after the Sochi Games. Kept his job, and he's still trying to work full-time while he's training. And I don't know how he does it, but no. they all have something so different. But they need, they need those financial resources. And every, every single time a company or a brand gets involved with them, they go, wow, how did we not know this existed? How did mm-hmm. we not know we were missing this? And that makes me really, really proud.
0: And you and, should be. Absolutely. I love that. I couldn't
2: ask for anyone better.
0: So getting back to our final two questions. No problem. And that was great that you got that in. Yeah.
2: Yeah, thank
0: you. Where do you, how do you stay up to date for yourself and to your athletes? And then a lot of young people listen to this. A lot of our students listen to this. Um, What's some advice, some brief advice that you can give people on on getting ahead in the business? Tell
2: me the first question again?
0: Where do you get your information from? How do you stay fresh?
2: How do I stay fresh? Um, Social media, Twitter. You can get news on Twitter faster than you can watch it on TV, certainly in the newspaper. Nothing against newspaper companies, I think you should say in business. Um, but social media- They're not listening. Yeah. They don't yeah.
0: know
1: how. <laughs> they, they're gonna read about it somewhere Exactly.
2: Though, so. Social media pops up in a millisecond. Um, certainly trade journals, sports business journal, coming to conferences like this, hashtag sports, where you hear different sides and new emerging platforms and technologies and new companies meeting new people. Never, 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 never stop networking and meeting new people. Um, and I guess this kind of goes into the advice portion of it also. You never want to come across as if you are only trying to speak to someone because you need something or you want something or you can get something out of them or you're trying to do business. It's about relationships as a person. You know, those sometimes turn into business relationships, sometimes not. But you you want to meet as many people as possible. And that's that's what will help, you know, build your career. And just keep trying. Don't be afraid to... To take the goofy route. Don't be afraid to try something new and different. Don't be afraid to, you know, share an idea that you think somebody might be, you know, might think, oh my god, that's ridiculous. Don't even consider it. Just and also for the younger crew, and I mean this in a very respectful way, it doesn't make a difference if you come out of undergrad with a 4.0 from Harvard mm-hmm. University. somebody asked me, I have a I have a graduate degree in sports management. If somebody said I have a degree in sports management. What is that? I couldn't define exactly what it is because it is, it encompasses so many areas of business. It encompasses mm-hmm. everything from marketing to PR to just general business sense. You have to be able to write. And you have to be able to communicate. So it's not just knowing about sports. Um, and, you know, the, the high school class that Joe Favorito teaches that I come in and speak at um, is called The Business of Sports Beyond the Game. And that's exactly what The Business of Sports is. It is a business. I don't care if you know every single stat and score. It doesn't make a difference. I think the my the best way to put it is um, saying I love sports doesn't make you an expert in the business of sports any more than owning an easy bake oven makes you Chef Boyardee. And that's that's tr- that's truly it. Just saying. I would say
0: Bobby Flay, but Chef Boyardee is okay right. too. Exactly, so they'll
2: understand See. that. But truly, it's. It's that kind of stuff, know everything, ask questions, and just understand that you don't know everything no matter what you think you know. You can always learn more, and that's a good thing. Take every opportunity to learn and grow and speak to people and read, and take advice. Somebody, there are other people that know more or less, take advice, collaborate, um, pay it forward, most importantly, pay it forward, um, help others. That's, that's how you get ahead. Great. And that's, that's really the right advice. way to do Thank it. You.
1: I learned a couple things from Jesse. One is that we call bobsledders and losers push athletes. Well, we, just
2: just the well, uh, Jamie Jamie's a driver. Okay. Steve is a uh, he's so, essentially so a freight so guy, train. Right, so the freight train Aaron's is a the push
1: athlete. Yes. Okay, is so the other guy the sit athlete or? No. What do you, what do you call them?
2: There's the driver, and then there are the push athletes and the brakemen. Okay.
1: Um, did you know that term, Joe? The push I athletes? I did not. I learned that. Okay. Today, so that's good. Some, and and that. I did know there was GIF to go. Mm-hmm. So oh, I'm yeah. anxious to learn more about that.
2: Agent life, tools of the trade. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. But yeah. one of the things, you know, going back to like the funny stuff, and maybe you guys would even consider having them on is I would love to do a top 10 things you don't want to hear when you're in a bobsled. Like, like, and (laughs) I I think letterman or Leno did it after they had won gold in 2010, but Mm. I want to do an updated version with, you know, the crew that's doing it now kind of like, uh, crap, the GPS isn't working or you know, who brought the map or sorry, it was me or, oh man, I just ate (laughs) Chipotle for lunch or just that mean, cause they're, they're nose-to-tail in there. Squish that, tangle that. It's a, amazing. That's, that's Thanks
1: a, for the an an invitation. To, anytime yeah. you're ready to bring them yeah. in.
2: Absolutely, and please do and come up for a and world and cup. And say we'll figure
1: out whether it's fair to where come to up need. for
2: a world cup. You would absolutely love it okay. for. Is that Lake Placid? Lake Placid, and oh, Park we'll go on the
1: sitting. road. But we'll, oh. we'll go hang out with that the family. The show from on the road. <laughs>
2: yeah. uh, you would. They are so much fun. But all of them, you'd love it. That was that
1: was awesome. Thank
0: you. And one last thing, Jesse. Where do people find you and BDA
1: Sports?
2: BDA Sports. Our website's bda sports. Twitter. We are at bda underscore sports Facebook we're at bda sports and Instagram we're at bda sports and And I'm at jesse licht j-e-s-s-e l-i-c-h-t on both Twitter and Instagram
0: great
2: if anybody has any questions or you know wants a resource or a guide especially you know anybody breaking into the industry I'm more than happy to help so please don't ever hesitate to reach out giving back is is a great thing and I love that
1: awesome All right, well, Joe, wrap up. Yep. Tom, Um, Jesse... Uh, pleasure to have you. Thank really, you very much really for having me. Really enjoyed that I chat. Appreciate it. Always
2: good to see. Yep. My Keep up the good John.
1: work. We'll be thinking of you uh, in your various roles. Come uh, as <laughs> February, I guess, the mm-hmm. second week of February, with the uh, the Olympics coming up in a few months. Um, thanks everybody for listening, Joe. Great episode. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun. Um, I think. Well, can we do one more while we're at hashtag? For we're going to see if more we can hours? Maybe find another maybe hashtag. We'll sneak one in so, at the end of the day. So.
0: We actually had someone just ask us. I won't say who it is. So. Okay. Anyway. Um, anyway,
1: thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Cusp Show, the Columbia University Sports Podcast. I'm Tom Richardson, and my co-host is Joe Favarito. And our production assistant this week is Columbia student Maurice Eisenman. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple's podcast app, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and other key platforms. You can also find it at blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Cusp Show. And you can get in touch with us on Twitter at... CU underscore SPS underscore sports. Also, you can find out more about our program, the Columbia University Sports Management Program by going online at sps.columbia.edu forward slash sports hyphen management. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation